We are such badasses. We both did bar three on the first day of 2018. It's true. It's a good way to start out 2018. I think my butt's already getting better. I hope mine is. <laughs> <laughs> Should we take a picture and post it and let our listeners vote? Yes. <laughs> we can Photoshop the shit out of it. Just kidding. We're not going to post our, our butts. butts. Hey, book friends. This is Corey. Thanks for listening along as we have a book club of two over a cup of tea. Our goal is to explore beloved genres as well as push ourselves out of our comfort zone and explore genres we might typically overlook or avoid. In each episode, we discuss a randomly selected genre. We will be sharing our reading experience and a brief review of the books we recommended to each other from the previous episode. Also a heads up, so that we can have a rich and in-depth conversation or maybe spoilers about the books we are discussing. All right, let's get started. Happy New Year's and welcome to Season 2 of Books and Tea Podcast with Carrie and Corey. Today we are going to be talking about French versus English. You may or may not know that I'm a bit of a Francophile and Kiri is a little bit of an Anglophile. And so we have two weeks of French versus English books as far as the setting and kind of the overall storyline of the books. But first, how was your New Year's? It was pretty tame. How about yours? Well, I worked all day at the bookstore and then I went and got sushi, which was fun. Um, except for the obnoxious people that were doing sake bombs at the oh, table next to us lovely. and they kept slamming it and going, <laughs> I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, <oops. laughs> Disclaimer curse words already into season two. <laughs> it's 2018. Could be who I want to be. Uh, and then we went downtown, didn't make it to even the 10 o'clock pinecomb drop, feeling a little puny. So I came home and was asleep, I think, by 10 o'clock. Yeah, we went down to Sedona and my new, my new New Year's Eve um, tradition uh-huh. is to go and get a facial and a massage at Sedona's new day spa. Fancy. So I did that in the afternoon and then we went to dinner and then we came home and mm-hmm. I promptly went to bed at nine o'clock. So I didn't make it to the new year either. <laughs> Where'd you uh, go for dinner? Uh, Paleo Bria. It's like the, it's basically just a paleo restaurant and it's super good and you can pick your protein, your vegetables, and then a dressing. Okay. Yeah. Sounds trendy. It's very trendy. Paleo. (laughs) Very trendy. (laughs) That's all right. Yes. All right. Do you want to announce the winners of our contest? So hopefully you've been following us on social media and while we've not been recording, we've been scheming, coming up with our favorite books of the year. And then making you all jump through some hoops in order to potentially win. So. So the winner of my book, Kiri's book, is Aubrey Thomas. Woohoo! Woo, Aubrey! Congratulations. And the winner of my bag of books was Sydney Tolchinsky. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for participating. Oh my gosh, thanks everyone. Yeah. We really appreciated all the likes and the reviews and all the things, and uh, we felt the love. It was a great way to end and start the year. Totally, and we're going to probably start planning on doing giveaways maybe once every two or three months to just Mm kind of keep that juju going and spreading the love and generosity, so be on the lookout. Indeed, indeed. So we are also back to drinking tea because, you know, that's part of the (laughs) name of our podcast. Although we don't spend much time talking about tea, we do enjoy a good cuppa. We do. And so today 
um, Carrie is going to talk is our uh, tea provider, and she is <laughs> going to talk a little bit about what we're drinking. So today we're drinking some delicious plum deluxe tea. What I like about them is that they're organic and they do small batches. And the tea that we're drinking today is Easy to Be Green Tea, which has a very delicious blueberry raspberry aftertaste mm-hmm. to it. And it also has some rose and hibiscus and cranberries. It's just a very delectable green tea. It is. It has a real, It's not overly fruity, but it has a nice fruit taste to it, if that makes any sense at all. It's very drinkable. I could see myself drinking a couple cups of it. And stay tuned for our break. And when we talk about how you can try Plum Deluxe Tea and even save a little money doing it. So it's very exciting stuff. Very exciting. Because we are Plum Deluxe ambassadors. (laughs) Heck yes, we are. (laughs) All right. So um, today we have Kiri's English book and my French book, which I realized I'm calling this episode. Wait for it. The Battle of the Grumpy Old Men. Oh, I like it. <laughs> I think it's very fitting. <laughs> yes. So Kiri's going to tell you a little bit about what the, her book is and um, a quick synopsis, and then we'll start chatting. So I picked Major Pettigrew's Last Stand by Helen Simonson. And this book is based in Edgecombe, St. Mary in the countryside of England, where Major Pettigrew is a... Grumpy old man. Grumpy old man. I think that's safe to say. And he is, his brother dies. That's the first thing you learn about. And then you learn about the guns. And then you learn about him wanting to steal the guns. So, well, not steal the guns. Well, gun. he stole the gun he from his really. sister-in-law. He, he technically stole it. He okay. said he was going to refurbish it and he stole it. So, for And those then of he you, lost it. So for those of you, <laughs> and that was the story. And no. the end. The end. <laughs> No, so to clarify, though, these were antique guns that were given to um, Major Pettigrew and his and his brother's father by an Indian general or something like that for yeah. service to the country. Mm-hmm. And um, when his father died, he gave each of the boys one of the guns. But he said, "I would really like for these guns to always stay together in the family." And um, Major Pettigrew maybe has a smidge of an obsession with the guns and with getting them back together. America. And um, oh, I guess it's England. It's England. England. But he shoots with them. Like he like hunts yeah, and things. Whatever. Anyway, so <laughs> he's a little obsessed with the, with making sure that his uh, sister-in-law, who he doesn't like, um, doesn't do something untoward, like try and sell the gun on its own. Yeah. But in the middle of the gun facade or the gun obsession is mrs it... alley oh i love who mrs. i love and yes. she's basically the love interest of major pettigrew and she is an indian woman and it's huge I controversy it's actually gonna be ollie is it ollie yeah that's usually how you say it oh it's... good call yeah. yeah see we're correcting each other just Yet like again. that reviewer said i know <laughs> yeah anyway <laughs> that's why so, we're friends though we can do this it's true. and we're not offended <laughs> Uh, Major and Mrs. Ali find their friendship and then fall into love, and he saves some people. And it's there's a lot there's happening a lot in this book. Packed in this book, yeah. But yes. it was pretty good. I have some random thoughts of. Okay. Well, isn't that a captivating first sentence? Which is oh, now I'm like what I didn't write down the first sentence. Usually, I'm a sucker. Major Major Pettigrew was still upset about the phone call from his brother's wife, and so he answered the doorbell without thinking. I just like it. It's really... Oh, that's right. And he was wearing his dead wife's bathrobe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, seems he... really out of character because he's like, 
He's a man's man. Yeah, you can't call him anything but Major Pettigrew. He's very gruff. Yeah. Very proper, very traditional. Actually, everyone in this tiny little idyllic village seemed very traditional. Yeah. In, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then there was, I hope Major Pettigrew and Mrs. A fall in love. See, mm. I wrote that from the very beginning. And then Roger is a total tool. So Roger is her, his son, who yeah. is a very Social millennial climber, type. Money hungry. Yeah. He's just awful. You want to punch him in the face every time it's true. he talks. Why is everyone so awful? <laughs> Why just... is everyone so awful? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just stole my random thought. I'm just Sorry. <laughs> I read it and it made me chuckle. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, the whole yeah you know slight race not slight racism but like pure racism naive i would call it naive racism like there's not an intentionality of i think there's an intention always well okay some some of it there is some of it there is some of there it it isn't yeah yes but oh yeah i mean well that was one of my thoughts i know we're kind of i'm interrupting you again but (laughs) i one question i had i guess there was the kids in the orphanage (laughs) the shooting oh yeah uh, but but i kept going is this just a town of old people yeah that's i feel what I like, felt like i felt like it was a retirement community almost i think it was i mean i think there were some families there and maybe it's just because of the main characters were all older but i think it was a kind of a retirement city because that one guy wanted to build it up remember and like oh. bring in all the new people and roger okay. was like we're gonna buy a cabin here because this place is up cottage. and coming a cottage. cottage a british cottage Yes. Yeah. We're not in America. America. <laughs> um, but I really liked this story. I did mm-hmm. feel like there were a lot of stories happening within the story, yes. which was kind of overwhelming. Yes. Um, I yeah. also was kind of curious about what time it was. It was modern times. Was it modern times? But it felt like it, it, it felt really, again, I think because it was older people. Yeah. And they, but I asked myself the same question. I kept going, is this modern times or not? But it definitely was. I can't give you a specific example, but there were certain things that I was like, oh, yes, this is definitely. I guess there were cell phones and things like that. But it was still very like. Old fashioned. Yes. Yes. And I think I really enjoyed that aspect of it Uh um, with the hint of modernization with Roger and Uh Mrs. Ollie. Uh, her nephew. Oh, her nephew. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is a whole other story that I didn't get Ooh. into because there's just too much to talk about. Um, I thought that the major, although he was a grumpy old man, he was awfully lovable. Like his intention <laughs> was just so pure hearted the whole time. Yeah. yeah. And he always meant to do well, even if maybe that didn't turn out mm-hmm. right. He went back to try and fix it. And I think that was made him so lovable to me even though he was kind of grumpy well and i think one of the things i liked i mean he certainly was not without his faults and i one thing with with all the million stories she had running i the one thing i critiqued it a little bit on was uh the author somewhat implied that the relationship between the brothers maybe wasn't as strong as major Pettigrew thought it was yeah with the whole neglecting Mm -hmm. of the gun because so when he finally did get the gun it had been like stuck in a broom closet or something mud closet and was rusty and the wood was all cracked Mm -hmm. and so his brother and his so it was very clear his brother had no interest in the gun and it was brought up several times that he had offered his brother money for the gun Mm -hmm. and so it makes you wonder what was really going on there why was his brother so stubborn about not giving him the gun what was the relationship really like and i think she kind of hinted at it but then she never really explored that well i think that that side of the family was super into money right so 
they but you think he would have been then taking care of the gun then because it's not going to be worth money if he just lets it go to shit do you think it was a symbol of their relationship i think it was or maybe the relationship with the father I don't know. See, she didn't. Yeah. She didn't really. She gave us some teasers, but she really didn't give us enough to know what that was about. I know. I think because there was just too many stories happening, so yep. she couldn't. It. It was almost like she was a squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Ooh, I gotta have this relationship. Exactly. Ooh, I gotta have this relationship. Oh, look, there's a nut over there. Oh, there's a nut over there. Without really completing uh-huh. anything, except for I think Mrs. Ollie's story was complete, and yeah. the gun story essentially kind was of. complete. But yeah. I mean, it was still like goes off into the cliff. Yeah. Yeah, there was many layers. Spoiler alerts, by the way. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know this. If you've listened to season one, you know that there are spoilers. But you don't know why it went off the cliff, so you'll have to read it to find out. We yeah. won't tell you that. It is very magical. <laughs> I, yeah, I, you know, so, it, man, my, my brain is going in, like, squirrel directions <laughs> yeah, as well. So one thing I was going to say was, I, I believe this is her first novel. Yeah. So I think it's really well done, but I think that some of the things that we're critiquing are probably emblematic of a first writer's a writer's first novel maybe the add of wanting so to like cover stories. it all yeah yep. and i would say when i finished the book i went huh how do i feel about this book and the more i thought about it the more i fell in love with the book mm-hmm. and and i felt like um yeah i just felt like it i, I as i started thinking about the characters and their journeys and all the crazy things that happened. I mean, there's some kind of almost slapstick ridiculousness that happens at times. There's like this fancy dress party that's ridiculous. And there is all this other stuff going on. Um, I don't know. It's just what I also kept thinking is I would think this would make such an excellent TV show. Yeah. Um, I really felt like I could almost see the characters and, you know, that it would make like a really good like TV series. Yeah, I think so. Just because then I think the storylines would work better. And then Um, you could have multiple seasons and then you can actually flush out those stories a bit more. Yes. I mean, I think I calculated about 10 different stories. Wow, that many, huh? Well, I have like four pages of notes, which I guess is You can't that share unusual. all of that, though. I'm not going to. Oh, my gosh. I'm not going to. The thing about Corey is that she's an avid note taker, and I love that about her. But then that means that she has four pages yeah. of notes. But I will say, so some of my first thoughts were, and I think this is why at first I was like, I'm not really sure what I think about this book, is I also felt like um, – I wrote down, let's put every classic theme and cliche in this book. So you got the curmudgeon old man, you got the clueless, selfish relatives, you got star-crossed love, you've got money trying to take over the countryside. But yet at the end of it, it all worked together and I liked it. But it, when I was reading it, I was like, oh, of course her, his husband, or his husband, <laughs> of course his son is an asshole. Yeah. And, and is insensitive. And of course he has no, you know, and I mean, of course he's falling in love with the wrong woman. And, you know, I, the, and then of course the development, like all of that felt like stuff that we've read before. Yeah. But at the same time, I think, you know, we don't often read stories about older people falling in love and yeah. developing relationships, especially they're both widowed. And I think as I'm, I guess maybe as I'm maturing a little bit in my reading, um, I kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, there's something different about the complications of already having family and friends and having had a love and not being this perfect body and prime of their lives. And I don't know. It, it, it worked for me. Yeah, I thought it was really sweet. And a lot of it was very, I think, could be put into other books. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I think, 
I don't think it was a unique story. Right. I think it was just a very well developed mm-hmm. character developed story. Yep. Like I would want to read about mm-hmm. Major Pettigrew and mm-hmm. Mrs. Ali in another book about yeah. what goes what on in their relationship, you know? Hmm. Maybe she's working on that. I doubt it. Come on, Helen Simonson. Let's uh let's write a second book. <laughs> So, yeah, I think, you know, definitely very English. Um, you definitely felt like you were on in an English countryside coastal town. Yeah. And the writing was spot on with that. And the personalities, I mean, it felt very British. Um, they were constantly drinking tea, yes. which I thought was awesome. <laughs> I was like, every, every moment they're like, let's fix a cup of tea. <laughs> oh, I'm having a hard day. Let me make a pot of tea. I need some tea. Yeah. How about some tea? <laughs> tea, 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 It's very tea. British. It is very British. Yes. yes. So, um, and again, I think that, and then, and again, I think it was that proper, very uh, traditional British feel, which again, made it feel, I guess, maybe timeless mm-hmm. or old fashioned or whatever you want to call it. But um, definitely that you, you definitely get connected to the characters and you're invested in the outcome of what happens with all of them. Yeah, definitely. He did have some pretty, uh, Major Pettigrew did have some pretty funny um, quotes. <laughs> yeah. He was filled with them. And maybe it's just because he was an older gentleman and, uh, you know, obviously he's not real, but right. the quotes were <laughs> very fitting to him. So what what, what do you got? Lay one on me. <laughs> the world is full of small ignorances. We must all do our best to ignore them and thereby keep them small. Don't you think? <laughs> Which I just thought was sweet. That is sweet. Um, I also really liked this idea, which kind of brings me back to like social media and how we overshare sometimes of, I believe there is a great deal too much mutual confession going on today, as if sharing one's problems somehow makes them go away. All it really does, of course, is increase the number of people who have to worry about a particular issue. I was like, yeah, that's, yep, I agree. Mm -hmm. That was a good one. And then this one was, it's so much easier to tell other people how to do their job than fix one own shortcoming, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's kind of a smartass. He is a bit yeah. of a smartass. But in a very British way. <laughs> um. So mine that I liked, uh, this actually isn't a quote from him, it was more, I guess, the narrator's observation um, of his thoughts. But I, th- I thought this was really powerful. He said um, he had forgotten that grief does not... Uh, go in a straight line or along a slow curve like a graph in a child's math book. I have that same quote. Did you really? Yes, the whole thing, though, because I loved it so much. Well, do you want to finish it then? Sure. It says, it's instead, it was almost as if his body contained a big pile of garden rubbish full both of heavy lumps of dirt and of sharp thorny brush that would stab him when he least expected it. Mm. Yeah. Yep, so that, look at us. Look at us. We're so good. We're moving together. <laughs> um, I also related to this one quite a bit. Um, he immediately felt the sense of calm that comes from having a well-designed routine. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, baby. Love that routine. Oh, I do. Although sometimes I wish I could not do it. Like, I try to purposely push myself out of that routine. Right. But then I get so much anxiety doing that that mm-hmm. I'm like, this is why I have routines. Yep. Yeah. 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 And then mine, um, I think you. this might tag on to actually something that you had said, but I think my son's trying to organize my life because it's easier than his own. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, true, 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 yes. true. Um, oh, and here's the last one that I wanted to share. It's funny, she said, so this was Mrs. Ali. 
to be suddenly presented with a possibility of making new friends. One begins to accept at a certain age that one has already made all the friends to which one is entitled. Oh, man. I, I remember like, that yeah. line. I was like, that was good. Cause... Also, it is so very British to say one instead of you or right. us or whatever. Yep. It's one of the things I had to learn when I studied there was <laughs> you have to say one. One feels this way at some point in their life. Yeah. Ooh, I have one more. I have a tea quote. Okay. This one's good. So the other, one of the other sidebars is that the other old ladies, middle-aged ladies, old ladies, whatever, in the village were always trying to hook Mr. Pettigrew up with Mrs. I forget her last name, but Grace. Her name was Grace. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Right. And they went together and had tea even. Yes. And so this was after the, the fancy dress party. Okay. And he knocks on Grace's door and he says, she answers the door and he says, I feel as if the entire village is against me. He burst out. Everyone is a complete idiot. <laughs> Well, you better come in and have a cup of tea. <laughs> that's <laughs> that, a I good think, friend right there. <laughs> well, and I think that sums up the whole book right there. Yeah. In, a, in many, many ways. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Everything can be solved with a good cup of tea. Indeed. All right. Do we want to take a quick break before we dive into your book? Yeah, our next grumpy old man book. A next grumpy old man book. I'm so excited. <laughs> So as promised, we have a sponsor today, and that is Plum Deluxe Tea. This is a Portland, Oregon-based tea company. It's a small private company. And um, the reason it's called Plum Deluxe, I thought this was kind of cool, is in traditional tea culture, anything plum-related is said to be sacred or auspiciously special. Um, So they have a really nice array of tea varieties and tea products. They have like little tea scoops and little tea baskets. I think it's all loose leaf tea, right? Mm -hmm. And um, they have black tea and green tea and flavored tea, but it's all organic, fair trade. It's hand blended. And um, and so we they asked us if we wanted to be ambassadors. So you probably will start hearing a little bit more about Plum Deluxe as we've been ordering some teas to try out. And one of the nice things that they have is they have a tea of the month club. And so for $10 a month, you get premium loose leaf tea and it is, you get about one ounce of premium tea and that makes about 15 to 20 cups in case you ever wanted to know how much that would make. You also get another sample. You get brewing instructions, you get tea pairings, recipes, free shipping, and uh, members-only specials. Hmm. So it seems like a pretty good deal, especially if you're one of those people that gets bored really quickly and wants to always be trying different teas. Or you go there and you're like, I have no idea. There's so many tea choices and I don't know what to pick. Just let someone else do it for you. And here's the most exciting news is that we have a code for you for listeners of Books and Tea. So if you go to their website, which is a well, plumdeluxe.com, and you make a purchase. When you get to the checkout, you'll see a place for a VIP code. And if you type in books and tea, that's B-O-O-K-S-A-N-D-T-E-A, you will get 10% off your first purchase. Very exciting, people. Go get some tea. Yeah. And then you can tell us what you think. Okay, so now we're moving from England to Paris. <laughs> and I loved this book so much. Which is so funny because I hated it so much. <laughs> <gasps> oh, that hurts my heart. Oh my gosh. Well, maybe when we're done talking, you'll change your man. Or change your mind. Man, change your man. 
It might do that too. <laughs> um, okay, so this, my choice was The Little Paris Bookshop by Nina George. A couple random things you should know is that Nina George is actually German and this book is translated. Um, just facts I thought were relevant. And I think it's translated well. Every so often I would find a couple turn of phrases mm-hmm. that I was like, that's a weird way of putting that. But overall, I thought it was, uh, it really kind of captured the writings of the person. Mm-hmm. So again, we have another grumpy middle-aged man. I think he's like almost 50. So he's not quite old, old, but because I think Major Pettigrew was like in the 70s or something. Yeah, I felt like that was right. Because okay. him and his wife were married for like 30 or 40 years, years or yeah. something like that. But uh, the basic story is is that the love of his life mysteriously left him approximately 20 years earlier. And he basically has been shut down for the last 20 years. He has not, other than his life as a bookseller, he's not really enjoyed life at all. And um, he's just kind of kind of marched through life. And the only joy he gets out of life is uh, books and, and figuring out what is the right book for people. And so he has a, a barge that he's turned into a floating bookstore called the literary apothecary. And his little magic trick is that he is really great at picking out just the right book for someone uh, based on what he thinks they need for that time in their life. And he has a, a sudden change. So a neighbor moves in across the hall, a woman named Catherine, and she has been uh, very, uh, she's just been left by her husband. And so he very kindly gives her a table that had been in a room that he had shut off that his love of his life had used. And she says, oh, there's a letter in here. And long story short, he finally reads the letter that had been sent to him from the love of his life 20 years earlier. And the information in that letter rocks his world (laughs) and not in a good way and so he uh basically goes through like a midlife crisis of going to her yeah he detaches the barge from the seine river and he starts cruising down the river (laughs) through france all the way down to provence along the way picking up a a great cast of characters including a young best-selling author who has writer's block a uh, Italian chef who also has been searching for the, his love of his life, who was a one night stand 20 years earlier. And has just been cruising up and down the river. And I feel like there's one other person. Oh, Sammy, the girl from the book, the city of books. Oh yeah. Right. Is that it? I think so. And then they just meet a collection of people. They meet along so many the cool people along yeah. the way. And, and, Oh, man, there's just so many things about it. I, I'm so shocked that you didn't like this book. I thought the writing was great. Some of the things that stood out to me, I guess as a bookseller myself, I could totally connect to his joy and the the way he likes to find just the right book for people. I don't do it the same way that he does, but I can relate to the idea of reading people and trying to figure out what they want and need mm-hmm. based on what they tell you and how they react to suggestions and things like that. I really have learned that selling books is psychological um, and I have fun with that. I also love the descriptions of the French countryside and all the conversations about life once you leave the city and like the stars and uh, the ocean and the sunsets and the love. <laughs> there was not a thing that I did not like about this book. Uh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was charmed the whole time. I liked the book for the first 200 or so pages. Hmm. And then everything started to become cliche. Really? And I thought I was going to injure myself with all the eye rolling I was doing. 
But you didn't feel like Major Pettigrew's stand was cliche? No, because I think it was too ADD with all the different storylines. See, I felt like it was uber cliche. And yeah. there was nothing cliche about this. <laughs> I feel, okay, so he gets a letter. So of course he goes to see her because that's what you do, right? And then of course he meets her husband because that's what you do, right? And then of course he sees her daughter. Of course, that's what happens. Like, right. there were all these things that were... Like, you could tell that they were going to happen. Like, you knew the well, story. I know, but that, that doesn't make it cliche. It is a big cliche. It is not a big cliche. <laughs> you just knew that was going to happen and like that he was getting resolution. Like, to me, it was such a story of, like, growth and and new beginnings and closing one door. I mean, he had, had such an empty, sad life that for him to make this major journey and go weeks traveling i mean i just i loved his transformation and the transformation of all the characters like they grew they all grew they all had these challenges they all had crappy parents by the way and they just they they discovered so much about each other and themselves and but in a very cliche way like did you not know that him and Catherine were gonna fall in love at the beginning like see that is a cliche but i don't of course he falls in love with the divorced so. woman who's crying very sadly in the next door who happens to give him the letter of his dead lover's whatever. Like, I was just so, I really liked it. I mm-hmm. liked the first part, but then it got to be another thing huh. on top of like, not, I guess, resolution, but I view it as a cliche of, of course this happens and of course the husband and the lover bond and I mean it was just so very not new. Yeah. I felt like Major Pettigrew was new because you mm-hmm. have like this older generation. He falls in love with an Eastern Indian woman, which is very mm-hmm. not typical of right. stories that we read, especially British stories that right. we read. And this story, I mean, I get like Paris and falling in love and I feel like that is what the but story Paris is. Paris was actually secondary. I felt like, I mean, they were only in Paris for a little bit of the book. And they then were in it was Paris really... for like the first 150 pages. Out of 350. That's a lot. That's at least a third. I don't know how to do math. That could be inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I did yeah. not enjoy it because I feel like it went on too long. Oh, see, and I think, it, it, so I hear what you're saying and I agree. The storyline itself was not necessarily new. The way the story was told, I think, was new and fresh this journey along the canals and the river and yeah meeting all these cast of characters and who were very well developed and 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 oh my gosh the tango scenes oh my gosh those were so hot and steamy i just remember and, the deer oh the deer was sad like that was like come on that was intense. out of all of the things that we have to talk about in this book right now you're gonna put a poor baby deer in the goddamn river and make it die like that was a page and a half i know but it's they spent like 10 pages i don't on like tango, it when animals it was, die i know <laughs> forget it it's okay if people die but animals <laughs> totally whatever <laughs> The descriptions. Okay, so I'm going to keep raving about the things I liked <laughs> since Carrie hated the book. The descriptions of food were amazing. Um, that's actually one of the treats of the book. Is at the end there's some recipes, and um, there's also he wants to create this encyclopedia of literary emotions. And so at the end there's like all these different books, and he talks about who to give them to. I have to interrupt you. Yeah, because I want to know: Do you like this book or the book of AJ Fickery more? So, you know, it's funny that you asked that because I feel like I'm totally <laughs> on this book, grumpy basically. old man 
a like groove. I'm yeah. like all of a sudden I'm like I like books about grumpy old men. I never <laughs> even sellers. knew that I like books about grumpy old men. Like I'm so jazzed now to read a man named Uve, which is still on my TBR yeah, list, which I know you weren't a book. fan of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm like I really like the storyline. Um, but which one do you like more? I'm an AJ Fickery fan. I liked I, that one much more. I think I like them equally. Really? Yeah. I'm going to check your Goodreads to see which one you... I get, I know you rated I, this one five stars. Okay, I think I gave AJ Fickery four. Okay, so you like this one more. I think so. Yeah. But it also had the... Like, I liked the le- I, I liked the letters. I liked... It had Manon's diary in there. I liked his little notes to I'm the, eye-rolling at Corey right now. <laughs> so, well, I'm going to stand by this, people. Don't listen to Kiri. She sucks. She doesn't know what she's talking about. This is an amazing book. I would recommend- Maybe it's because it's French and I, I prefer British. Oh, and that could... You know, and that honestly might, yeah. could be it. Because for me, again... Some of what entranced me was the cast of characters and, and again, the descriptions of just being out in isolation in the middle of nowhere, France, and the Mediterranean food and the coast. And I just, yeah, I'm a Francophile. And I, I mean, and I enjoyed Major Pettigrew's, but I just was like, I want to go ride on a barge down the river all the way across France and meet cool people like this and go to the city of books and Corey has little heart emoticons floating over her head right now (laughs) i do i do so anyways yes all right well i will stop raving oh and there was two cats on the barge i mean there was everything in this book everything (laughs) it was like check 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 oh my god so i'm just saying all right, I will let you. I will. I will stop talking because I know I'm not going to change your mind. But I want to <laughs> give you the stand to talk about the things that stood out to you for better or for worse. So I really enjoyed the boat bookstore. Like I would totally be into that. That sounds groovy. Although I yeah. do get seasick. As long as it's docked, I think it'd be fine. And then I also like the idea of him finding books for people in need. Like, oh, you're feeling this way. Well, this book is the perfect thing mm-hmm. for you right now. So I thought that was really unique Uh and also very cool Uh but then at about um i'm gonna say what did i write down the page number i think it was about 250 about 250 pages in i felt like there was just too many words (laughs) too many details too many words and i understand that 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 was the point because it was a storytelling adventure of this man um but i just felt like we could have gotten rid of some of the detail to make it a little bit more compact. And maybe that's just my technical writer. I, was saying, I feel like we've out. had this conversation before that I get lost in the detail and you're yeah. like, there is too many words. You don't need to use 15 different words to describe a tomato. Yes, um, <laughs> so other than that, I thought, um, yeah, I mean, I think it has good qualities. I think it was just too much. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair but there enough. were good quotes, and a oh lot God. of the quotes about <gasps> books were really good. Yes. Um, so one so of the quotes hopes. that I have is, books keep stupidity at bay, and vain hopes and vain men. They undress you with love, strength, and knowledge. It's love from within, which I just thought Ooh. was really sweet. I, I love books. I remember books. that one, but that's a nice one. Yeah. And then 
The other one is, you see, I sell books like medicine. There are books that are suitable for a million people, others only for a hundred. <laughs> there are even medicines, sorry, books that were written for one person only, mm. which I thought was sweet. Yep. So his love for books, I admire that and I yeah. appreciated that and I felt connection with that. Yep. It was just all the other details <laughs> that I was like, meh. Yeah, which I loved. Um, okay, so... My quotes that I liked, so I had a book quote as well. Um, one was about books, that they're an essential balm for the soul. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then this really had nothing to do other than I. this is like the level of detail that I absolutely loved about this book. When they were meeting with the kooky old guy with the tango scene and they're walking through that village. I think it was Avignon. Well, anyways, and one of the sentences says, he greeted a man who came clattering past in a Renault with a goat in the passenger seat. And I was like, of course he did. (laughs) I was just like, I love this. This is great. This is Corey's jam, people. This is totally my jam. And then... Again, I love the tango. I think I, if I was more of a dancer, that would be the dance I would want to learn. And and so the whole descriptions about how do you find a partner when you're at the and they have these like secret tango oh, clubs. Oh yeah, the like looking, yes. making eye contact. And so, uh, oh, so the main protagonist, I guess we didn't use his name, is Jean Perdue. And so um, <laughs> he it says then he turned and he surveyed the women in the room. Some looked away, others held his gaze, and one shot a glance at him. She was in her mid-twenties, short hair, a small bust, firm muscles between her upper arms and her shoulders, and her eyes blazing with a boundless hunger as well as the boldness to assuage that hunger. Purdue nodded to her. She stood up without a smile and walked halfway towards him, halfway minus exactly one step. She wanted to wrench that final step from him. She waited, a raging cat coiled to pounce. At the same instant, the band finished its first song, and Monsieur Perdue strode towards the hungry Catwoman. Her face said, "Let battle commence." Her mouth demanded, "Subjugate me if you can, but don't you dare humiliate me." <laughs> See, I just don't even think that's fun. I There's think too that's, many words. I think that's awesome. <laughs> I just loved it. I just loved it. Everyone hard emoticon. Hard emoticon. Uh, the food, and so yeah, so she didn't get excited about the food, but I want to read a food quote too, and then we should probably call it quits. Um, so this was after they picked up the lovesick Italian chef, and he said, uh, the dish turned out to be finely diced roasted red vegetables seasoned with a generous pinch of thyme, pressed into a mold that skillfully turned out onto a plate and drizzled with the finest olive oil. It was accompanied by lamb cutlets, which Cuneo had passed three times over the open flame, and a snow white melt-in-the-mouth garlic flan. Something strange happened when Purdue took his first bite. Images seemed to explode in his head. This is unbelievable, Salvatore. You cook the way Marcel Pagnol writes. Ah, Pagnol, a good man. He knows that you can only really see with your tongue and your nose and your stomach. And I was like, yeah. Mm. So, anyways. Unless I... you don't have nose hairs. Fair enough. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, I, I was charmed. I was less than charmed, but it was still a fine read. I loved both of them. So I don't know that I could pick. Obviously, we know what Curious Choice is for the week. (laughs) I win. (laughs) But I adored both of them. Yeah. Yeah. And if you ever want to know how we pick books, I tend to pick them via Goodreads. Mm. I don't really have a good strategy. I usually go to Goodreads and look at what's on my TBR list. And then I sometimes look a little bit at the ratings. Yeah. Um. 
I sometimes will. Okay. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll Google best, I don't know, books set in France. <laughs> yeah, I do that a lot too. And see what's out there. And then I start reading descriptions. And sometimes I'll be like, oh, yeah, I've always wanted to read that. Yeah. So often it's something that I wanted to read. Um, unless it's just a genre that I'm very unfamiliar with. And then I kind of go on ratings and recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. And then next week or yeah, next two weeks. So I guess oh, yeah. we should make the announcement of we're going to be switching to a bi-weekly release date. Right. So we so love you. So in two weeks, you'll hear Curie's French versus Corey's British. Yep. And yep, yep. we'll and be back. We'll be back with more tea and more, I'm sure, lively discussion <laughs> about Anglophiles versus Francophiles. And I know I got my home people out there that are going, oh, yeah, Corey, I hear you. Uh-huh. Why don't you write and let me know? Affirm, affirm for me my love of France. <laughs> you guys have a great two weeks and we'll talk to you soon. Until next time. Bye. Hey, book friends. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks for listening along with us. Head over to our podcast site to share your recommendations and your opinions with us on the books we have read. That website is booksandteapodcast.com. It's also where you will find our podcast show notes with a full list of titles for the books, along with our favorite tea and what we mentioned today. If you are on any social media, feel free to stop by our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter accounts. You will find those links on our website. To be the first to hear about the next new podcast and what we are working on, make sure you are signed up to our newsletter. 